we are there to create spaces that are livable for the next generation. All around the world, young people play a crucial role as first responders in emergencies. They are agile, organized, and care about their communities. Today, we are going to Kenya to explore what happens when a group of young people in the informal settlements of Nairobi takes matters into their own hands. You're listening to The World's Biggest Opportunity. I am Hayat Emanini. In this episode, we'll hear the story of the Kenya-based youth organization, Generation Shapers, and how they succeed in engaging their community in the wish for change. During the COVID-19 crisis, they installed, monitored, and managed hand wash stations in the informal settlements of Nairobi, despite the risk of contracting the virus. Today, I'm talking to one of the main youth facilitators, Edwin Odiambo. I asked him to introduce himself and Generation Shapers. Thank you. Um, my name is Edwin Odiambo. I'm currently um, a final year student of environmental and urban planning at Kenyatta University. Uh, currently acting as a youth lead to various programs taking place in Madare slums. And this is through Generation Shapers. It's a youth group that we work with. Um, we kind of trying to build a network of young people uh, that are looking into their communities and trying to figure out how best could they do one or two, three things to improve the situation in in, in the slum uh, area, that is Madare. Okay. So when did the work start exactly? Like if you can t- tell me more about it. Yeah. The inspiration to do something with my fellow friends in, in the community began uh, way back in 2016, I would say. I was actually about to, actually joining the, the university and... Um, uh, having to study stuff around sustainable slum development and realizing that a lot that involve community development were actually things that were in our own hands, I mean, our own responsibility. So trying to learn from what we did in class and bringing it back to my friends and trying to localize that information in a way that we could start doing activities within the community is something that began back then. But since 2016 to around 2020, the initiatives were not that pronounced. Uh, I think a lot of our work began now in 2020. And uh, how come it began in 2020? What was the outbreak that the work started i think i think a lot happened in 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 the year 2019 to 2020 one of it being our ability to to be recognized by other active uh, i mean organizations out there for partnerships we started uh, getting involved in other organizations but again that uh, as you can all remember that is when uh, we the the pandemic also also was in the picture um, and so there was need for for uh, civil society organizations, and that includes the youth-led initiatives within the community to try and help the community respond to the pandemic. So I think those are two things that really 
spark our work in 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 the year 2020 or i mean from 2019 to around 2020 yeah okay i i know that you've said some uh sometime before in one of uh, previous events that it was easy to bring uh, young people or to engage young people because they they had the need to make a change yeah yeah i think it was easy <laughs> and and the reason why i said that is when you if if you look at the slum context for those that are more familiar with the working in the informal settlements you get that there is a lot of challenges but there is also a lot of people that are interested in trying to give back to the community trying to change that situation and those people are not not from the neighboring community but more so those living within those areas they have experienced the problems they go through those problems each and every day and so the only thing that is not there is someone to mobilize them someone to organize them in a way that would then enable them response to those problems so for us what we were able to bring is simply a way to organize them and and bring those resources to enable them do that okay but what was your approach like how how did you manage to collect them and be like now we are going to do this yeah sure so so for us um this was a continuation of an already existing work that we were doing in the community and um that included a program called safe and inclusive cities project and so we 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 had already created networks of communication within the community that include having community mobilizers that we could just send a word and and they were able to reach to other many people so what we we do is to to have a conversation at at generation shapers uh, with a small team and this small team agree on a few things that we need to do then that to do list then could be shared to community mobilizers we have community mobilizers in various wards and so if if by just a, a whatsapp message we are able to reach so many so many individuals at a, at a time but what we have also tried to do is to try and mobilize the youths within their own wards so okay. generation shapers don't have to do all the work but just to do a coordination role between these various groups within within the slum and that's why we we more or less try to define ourselves as a network of young people because it's not just generation shapers that is doing the work and the few members that are there but it 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 does the coordination role within that arrangement that enabled us to do the work okay that sounds like a very good uh, like well connected network within <laughs> kenya yeah, sure, like yeah sure and i now i have like more of a practical question which is like i think i'm curious to know how big like how many people are you within the organization or the ngo like how many people are volunteers how many people are working together i would say about 30 around 25 are very active young people uh then the rest might be not so active and then this is is led by um, a leadership team of about five to eight uh, leaders we are so happy that recently at least people are starting to consider these groups as as organizations 
which is something that wasn't there before. Uh, but again, we, we are working something out to see on how can we uh, be a fully-fledged organization that could then be be recognized by contracts and other other NGOs out there. Okay. So now, actually, the Generation Shapers is a group of young people trying to make a difference in their own community. So it's not like an NGO or... Exactly. It's not like an NGO or... or a, a formal community-based organizations. Though, though, though I think it, it is also positive to acknowledge that at least the government have mechanisms to, to, to recognize such groups. So we even have a certificate, right, as a youth group. But that certificate cannot be compared to maybe a certificate given by the uh, NGO Board of Kenya or any other development company out there. What are the ups and downs of being this kind of de- in independent activist? Um, there is there is challenges here and there. Uh, I would say some of the opportunities that I have to acknowledge, uh, and this is speaking from from experience, because some of the youth youth led groups or youth led initiatives have not had the opportunity to to work with NGOs. But for us, we have worked with Plan International being one of the major organizations and several other NGOs that we have also worked with. Working with NGOs brings access to resources. We are now able to get uh, resources here and there that could help uh, steer forward our initiatives. This could include being able to offer transport reimbursements to the, 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 the young people, to buy them lunch when we have a full day uh, event, to brand ourselves. Having access to these resources is not something that we could take lightly, and that is something that NGOs really do well. Uh, the second thing is opportunities to learn and develop new skills. There, there is a program that NGOs run whenever you, you get involved with them. And for those that are so generous, they allow you to have a budget for capacity building. Uh, this could mean your leaders getting training, your team members getting training on group dynamics. Uh, and, and at times they could even go further to, to, to taking you to uh, specific trainings like financial training so that you are able to manage your funds well or even uh, report writing for those that have to, uh, to write reports and, and monitor their work without resources, without this uh, knowledge. Uh, then it's very hard for you to make meaningful resources. But apart from those three apps, I think we also have this, uh, a few challenges with working with NGOs. One being time commitment. A lot of NGOs uh, still want to work with the youth as if you are in their full-time payroll, which is not true. Like, as, as an organization, you don't want me to work for you as your staff. Unless you're paying me to be your staff, definitely. Then I will do that. But as a youth-led organization that is just partnering with you to try and, and amplify your, your agenda in the community, I think it's, it's, it's quite hard for young people to commit that much time. NGO's expectation on our 
commitment to their work is something that always collide with what youths are able to give. Two would be limited control. And this is something that we are, I would use the word fighting <laughs> with most <laughs> of, of our partners on. Um, when it comes to, to limited control, NGOs have ways in which they, they work, right? And they are well outlined in, in their papers on, on how things should be done. But that lack of flexibility don't fly well with young people. Young people would want an environment where we are able to co-create together with the NGOs. More room to, to, to try things and either fail or succeed without really being uh, held into account for, for trials right? Mm. Not being crucified yeah. for trying something. So that is something, <laughs> that is something that don't work well with, with, with NGOs. Then, then I think the second one I would say is, um, I mean, the third one would be burnouts. Um, for example, I, as, as a young person that does the coordination work, you can imagine how many young people would want to to get my attention at any given time. And not just them getting my attention, but also I feel if I don't give that leadership, then all these efforts to try and better our community might not be fruitful at the end of the day. So uh, I have to, to talk to people very early in the morning. I have to make calls to just know how are uh, the groups doing in the community. At times I have to uh, attend those activities. I have to mobilize, they have to see my face. But at the same time, I act as the link between the youths and, and our partner organizations. So I have to attend board meetings. Uh, I have to attend Zoom meetings. I have to attend interviews because the only way our partner organizations will learn about the work we do is by me portraying that work to them. But the only way I'm also able to portray that work to them effectively is by getting involved in the real work. So you get that I do more work than, than most people would imagine. Uh, but because it's my community, I'm very happy to do it. Uh, but it is a challenge for many people and many young people. The burnout is real. And I've seen very active people that come, get in and do the work for like one year and then just just stop. Yeah just stop doing the work yeah so so those are three things that i would say uh, are challenges i don't know if that gives an overview of problems and and advantages of working with ngos but those would would be things that i think i've, I've practically uh, got involved with yeah no i totally get you i used to be a volunteer with ngo and like and now i am also an independent activist just especially with the point about being more creative and being more free and like actually just reaching out and doing the project that I like. So it's, uh, it's, I understand you completely. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it sounds to me like you're working like uh, similar to like a moderator between young people and more adult people. I don't know, because you talked about this being, uh, you have to attend the interviews and then you have to kind of translate the two languages. Exactly. Exactly. So what is it that like young people understand more about community that adults don't or what what is the differences? <laughs> that's that's a tricky question because it would need one to understand the adult people first. Um then understand the young people to to make that comparison. 
Um, one thing is that many youths might think they are being neglected, but from, from attending a lot of conversations and a lot of policy discussion, I, I mean, I tend to realize that even the, the adults are struggling with the, the concept of, of youth and youth engagement. So I wouldn't point fingers. I, actually, nowadays, I'm very slow in pointing fingers if I, if I see someone not being able to understand the young people. But, but a few things that I would say the youths understand best that maybe adults don't is, um, of course, the current trends and issues. I think it takes a lot of time for some of uh, the adults in the room to grasp their mind around some of the emerging issues, right? And so uh, it, it is something that I think the youths are more in a position to tell an organization or tell leaders or tell policymakers what are the current trends, what are the issues that are facing us? Because issues in 2000 and, 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 and issues in, um, in, in 90s and issues in actually 2023 are totally different. So that's something that youth understand best. Uh, something is also interpersonal dynamic. It might be something. When we are talking about relations and, and how people interact, the way the adults in the room interact is totally different to how youths interact with their fellow individuals. If you are telling me as a young person to mobilize a group of, of young people and you want me to treat them the way you do your um, networking events, it totally wouldn't work, right? You, you're, you're not going to call them into, into a room and buy them uh, drinks and people have discussions around tables. That is not going to work for them. For young people, they need to be involved in activities, they, and that's how you mobilize them. But if adults are in the room, they'll tell you the way they network, which is totally different from how youths network. Um, hmm. Technology, I think I, I don't have to mention that enough. I no. mean, <laughs> my dad is still struggling with social media. I've tried to introduce her him but he tells me daily that he's struggling with social media. At times he looks at how people go crazy on Twitter and wonder, how could there be so much chaos in the world nowadays? And, <laughs> and I'm telling him, that is how the young people talk. That is how they express their concerns and, and things like that. Uh, future aspiration, I think, is also something that young people will get better. I mean, they know what they want for their future. They they know what what they need to have a better a better better spaces in, in where they live and things like that for the future generation. Um, and now, as as an urban planner, there is the concept of trying to bring youths to figure out how are they going to create safe spaces within the urban uh, settlements. Um, and and what elderly or what adult think are safe spaces are totally different from what young people think safe, a safe space is and, and green spaces and things like that. And so those four points, I think, are things that I would consider areas where young people understand best uh, than adults
in your opinion, how can we bridge those differences? How can we engage both generations as an international community? What can we do to include like young people at the local level? I'm so I'm so happy that at least that question is coming up because and and the reason why I'm happy is that it's not only coming up from you but we have seen our organization partners starting to ask how can we help you right mm. and and I think it's the first step some of the some of the things that would require organizations to be youth centered include increasing funding to youth led initiative could be one of them uh, so i know of organizations that totally don't have any youth led initiative and i think for them it 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 is just a time bomb because it's just a matter of time before such organizations face their downfall another thing is encouraging youth to participate in decision making i mean i told you that i could write emails just to ask some of these organizations to allow me in their meetings but it shouldn't be us asking i think a proactive organization should ensure that whenever they have any serious meeting around their programs a youth should be in the room i mean youth voice should be in the room and and that that will really help if you had one advice you want to give for young people what would that be Yeah sure I th- I think I don't have much advice to young people because as as we say they understand their situation better than anyone but what I would say is it all trickles down to a few things and actually not things I think it's just a thing right and it is determination in whatever you do be determined to reach to the end of it Uh, i think youths have a problem of of really losing hope very fast i i talked about the burnout uh, and if they try talking to adults in the room and they see like it's not working most of them will just choose to do something else because we we have a million things to do that would not take you anywhere we need to get determined it is the small things and being patient that really counts identify an issue look at the small steps that you can do in addressing those issues get a local organization to start volunteering and move move forward i mean it's just a step per day so the persistence staying committed focused motivated i think that that is all that a young person needs we at generation shapers are looking at what can we do tomorrow and that what can we do next month and next year uh, and just from our name we are there to create spaces that are livable for the next generation sustainability is at the core my last question would be if is like where people can can find you can reach you as a group we have two platforms that are really working for us number one is goes by the name of the organization uh, i mean generation shapers that is in facebook so if you go to facebook page look at generation shapers then you will be able to find us actually we try and post almost all our activities in that facebook page um in linkedin uh, we we started an initiative recently called youth and urbanism mm-hmm. and so if you go to linkedin and try to find youth and urbanism you are going to start um 
hearing more about the work that we'll be doing this year. Uh, with the youth and urbanism, I think we focus mostly on climate change. So if, if you are able to reach to those two platforms, you will be good. On Facebook, Generation Shapers. On LinkedIn, Youth and Urbanism. Okay. Do you have anything in mind that you think we should talk about we didn't cover? Uh, not really, not really. For me, it's, it's simply to to urge the entire team um, and, and to many other organizations that may be listening to this, we need to work together. If you can get me into the room, I'll do the rest. Just get me into the room and I'll do the rest. I strongly, Thank you. I strongly agree with you. <laughs> I, am, I am a young person just like you. So I'm trying to push some borders and some boundaries here and there. And I understand exactly what you mean. And I'm going to have a talk with them now be like, let Edwin in the room. <laughs> invite him yeah, for a coffee. Yeah, just just, let, just invite me for the coffee, and the, la- yeah. the rest will 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 follow. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But uh, thank you very much, Edwin. It was uh, really really nice talking to you, and I myself learned a lot. So thank you very much again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm Hayate Manini. Next time. We'll explore how the meaningful participation of young people can be amplified across the humanitarian field when I speak to Kate Mahoney from UNICEF about the guidelines that were developed by the Compact Youth Humanitarian Action. Those of us who do have a seat at the table need to really push the existing structures to include young people, to partner with young people. 